Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Well, you know that sound it is, the Unfiltered Bammies. Yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way right here and now officially that is episode 250 of the podcast which you can of course get an apple spotify everywhere you can get them and in addition to that you can get it on the artist formerly known as twitter x if you will get at casey stern jump up into the bio jump on all for all 249 into now 250 episodes and thank you to the unfiltered band for being with us and thank you for you wherever you are our guest today you could find on the lead off spot on mlb network radio during the week and often you could see his beautiful face with very little makeup on mlb network and as well as uh, his work on tsn he's an insider for both uh longtime friend former co-worker steve phillips joining me here today on episode 250 stevie how are you sir i'm great i'm great listen i was a 250 hitter in the minor league so this is perfect for me being on episode uh, 250 good. yes yeah, you don't often but how hear people was, bragging about being a 250 hitter, but that's what I was. Now I had a 350 on base percentage, though. So I was money. That's ball where I was before, going before Billy Bean invented Moneyball. I was Moneyball. I was. I walked a lot. I walked a lot. So I was a. I, I got a lot of base on balls. So I had a 350 on base percentage, uh, and I had and I had no power and no speed. Uh, no, I actually could run a little bit too. I stole 39 bases in a season, uh, and uh, and I actually. Like Last day of the season was going for number 40, stealing home because I really wanted 40. And I'm stealing home. I've, I know I've got it stolen. And the umpire called a balk on the pitcher. And so they, they called the balk and took away my stolen base. So, yeah, yeah, not right. No now, was, that a selfish, was, that, was that a selfish maneuver going for stolen base number 40 in that well, spot, stealing I mean, home? or I, I got permission to do it. I, I mean, I wasn't, uh, I, I did have, okay. uh, my manager was okay. And he wanted me to get 40 as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I had a chance at 40 and, and ended up with 39 because they called the balk on the, on the stealing home. Awful. After all the, uh, the at the end, the stealing was the stolen base that got taken from you. But I it's 40 in the books for me, Steve. I, I didn't know I that. I that. Yeah. Foot. yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll get into a number of things in spring training. I want to bounce around the league and also talk about if you're wearing see-through pants, because apparently that's the thing nowadays. Uh, I, let me get started here in saying the Bet Online is, of course, uh, our usual sponsor, number one source for all your sports betting needs. Latest odds lines to match reports, baseball, basketball, boxing, golf, everything you got. Fattiest way to get your wagers. Seen it with card games right from your phone. Get over the website. Use a mobile device now. Get in on the action. Use the promo code BELIEVE. It's B-L-E-A-V. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is Ben Align where they start. And let me start with that because it's kind of the elephant in the room. I mean, how do we screw this up with the jerseys? I mean, seriously, of all the things that we now have to put in the crosshairs for Rob Manfred, what is your take on these see-through jerseys? And let's be fair, aesthetically alone from the outside looking in, not, not a great look, Steve. Not a great look. Yeah. So, so, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, the buck stops with the commissioner. That being said, these were jerseys that were the responsibility of Nike, who farmed them out to Fanatics. Fanatics produced them uh, for Nike, for Major League Baseball. And so you would think that with all of the checks and balances between Fanatics and, and Nike and Major League Baseball, that somebody would have said, nah, if those white pants get wet, we're going to have a problem here, uh, you know? And so uh, it, they're see-through. And if they get wet, what are we doing here? Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've seen jerseys where the the numbers, like the number 10, the ones here and the zeros below, 
uh, that that the name is supposed to be curved around the numbers, and the first two yes. letters are curved, the other ones are straight. Uh, I've seen yes. a lot of uh, of different ones, uh, and so um, you know, uh, it's embarrassing, I think, and it's just you know, it should not have been an issue. And what's interesting is these were the same jerseys that they broke out of the All Star Game last year. They didn't seem to have complaints. I don't know whether it was the volume of the production that was the problem or or what happened with it, but yeah, it's not a good look, and I suspect that. Nike's probably not very happy, and nor is Major League Baseball very happy, and and it's all sort of coming down on fanatics right now. Yeah, I mean, look, being fair, MLB is not the the only league or entity looking to make an extra buck. So the idea that people are annoyed and say, "Oh, well, they're just trying to look," everybody's trying to make extra money. It's why there's yeah, so yeah, many different jerseys, and the NBA cashes in on all that. But to your point, it's like there had to be somebody in a warehouse before these are sent out and said. Huh? Like, do we think this is really what we want to put out there? It just seems so rushed. And now, as you know, everybody looking for just a reason to get on Rob Manfred for everything. Some of it he's due, clearly, because of the lack of accountability. We've talked about that. But now he's in the crosshairs. And somebody just got to admit it's got to get fixed, right? I mean, that's right. the thing that I can't understand. It's like nobody's coming out and saying, no, it's not good enough. We're in spring training. We got time. Let's get this fixed. Yeah, I don't know whether they have time. When you think about the, what it would take with the production, changing the material uh, for the pants and trying to go through all of that, then there's complaints about that the, the fit is different. There aren't enough options for the fit, whether the length you want or the, the you know, you want them baggier, you want them leaner, you want them thinner, you know, whatever they are. You know, Robbie Ray likes them really tight. Uh, and other people like them a little bit baggier. You know, Derek Bell's of the world. And so, you know, it's hard to know. Yeah, yeah. Derek Bell wore hip hop pants. He had he had the skinniest legs in Major League Baseball and got hit by uh, more pitches because the bagginess uh, of his pants counted as getting hit. And I thought to myself, we should all be wearing baggy pants right now. Now you know, like John Franco now later, Mike Piazza weren't all that keen on it. But I thought that you know it was a good look for Derek Bell, who, by the way, Derek Bell, um, you know. He never wore the same outfit twice. So whatever he wore, he would never wear it again. So he'd show up with a jersey. Wait, in real life? In real life. He would never wear the same outfit twice. He'd get a suit, wear it once, he'd never wear it again. And then, you know, he obviously, he was a, he was a character from Tampa, lived on a boat down in Tampa. Then he came to New York. Uh, and, you know, when he was in New York, for me with the Mets, he lived on a boat in the harbor there. And, uh, and it was so funny because when he went to the Pirates after us, he signed a big three-year deal, and he had an injury that kept him out of the lineup for probably the first two and a half months of the season. And one of the greatest lines ever from an anonymous player was, Derek Bell really is a pirate. He lives on a boat and steals money. I mean, <laughs> it's one of the greatest player jab lines I've ever heard in my entire life. I love that. And by the way, as, as somebody who has to do a lot of laundry in his life, that's a great way to live. No laundry. I mean, you're just ditching oh, in the great. trash every time. It's great. fantastic. Nice job. That's amazing. Uh, all right, it really so is. Let, let, yeah. me, let me get for it. We'll try and, and I, I want to talk about the free agency as a whole, but I want to talk Bellinger first because that happened today and came out, obviously, in terms of the three-year deal and the $80 million. This seemed like the right fit on both sides the whole time. I know there are opt-outs in this deal. Both sides are playing chicken of some sort. But what took so long for this match that seems so obvious on both sides to finally come to fruition, Steve? This is a huge win for the Cubs and a huge blink on behalf of Scott Boris. 
he blinked. He finally blinked. You know, this holdout. Look, here's the difficulty. And Blake Snell's in the same spot right now because Snell yep. and Bellinger are very difficult to evaluate who they are. You And as a general manager, I've talked about this. You know, you're in a room with your special assistants, and then your owner comes in and sits in and wants to listen to the conversation. And you say, okay, let's talk about Cody Bellinger. And you half the room will say, this guy's a former MVP. He looks like that guy again. He hit over 300, 350 on base. He slugged. He, he looked like the Bellinger we used to see. And he can defend in center field. And he can play first base. And he can run. He's the, he's back. The other half's going to room in the room's going to say, okay, whoa, whoa, let's not get too carried away. This guy disappeared for like three years of his, like when witness protection with his offense. We don't know where he went. And, and he was better, but his, he was in the lower 10th percentile of exit velocities of hitters in major league baseball last year. And yeah, sure. He was pretty good with two strikes. He, he poked it the other way, had some flares that fell in, but I'm not buying that he's that guy again. And so, and they'd be okay. So and the, the owner would say, okay, well, what's Scott Boris looking for? Well, Boris has called up, said he wants an eight year deal. He wants a 28 years old. He wants an eight year contract. And look, he, I understand why I would have asked for that. If I was Scott Boris too, I absolutely would have asked for it. But what Scott does is he comes in and tells you what the, what the market is and the value is, as opposed to letting the market dictate the value. And what happened was he said eight years and everybody sort of waited and said, I'm going to take you at your word that that's what you, and he said, I'm going to get it. I'll get eight years from somebody. I'm going to get it because you don't have that sort of boldness. And so you saw the Giants pivot to Jung-Hoo Lee. You saw the, the Blue Jays pivot back to Kevin Kiermaier because they're like, yeah, we're not playing an eight-year contract there. And the Cubs just waited, and it came back to where there was no play for that in the, in the deal. So what he's doing is getting three years of security with the thought of I can opt out. If I have a monster year, I can test free agency again, and maybe they'll believe that now I'm that guy, that I can get a seven-year contract or a six-year contract and not a three-year contract. I think Blake Snell's in the same place. Is he the two-time Cy Young Award winner, who, oh, by the way, has zero complete games? Two two Cy Youngs and no complete games in his career. He averages less than five innings a, uh, a start, or six innings a start, but, and he, he led the league in walks, but he gets strikeouts and he had good numbers. So he's confusing. He's complicated. And owners will say, I'm I'm not buying on the eight-year contract. And you got the other guy saying he's not even worth four years. That's why it's taken so long for those two. Montgomery's playing off of Snell, and I don't understand J.D. Martinez. I'd be all over him if, if for a one-year deal. Yeah, and it seemed like I think Mark Feinstein had, a, what, he was looking for $20 million, I guess, for one year, and the offer was 12 with the I want to go back to Boris for a second because the thing about Scott is, and you know this better than I do, but we've both seen it, he's had success where he comes with these rabbits out of a hat, not really having any other horses and getting teams to bet and negotiate against themselves. And I remember the Denard span deal and that's a smaller deal, but how do you get three years when everybody thought he's getting one? And there's so many of those. Do you think it's put him in a spot? Seems to believe all the time, Steve, that this is going to pop. And then the other part is the detriment to the player because the player in this spot, if you're Bellinger, I mean, you got to be sitting there knowing yourself, you're not getting an eight year deal at some point. Where do, does and you've been in these negotiations how does the player's desire factor into him maybe yeah. playing that game of let's say biting early today? well scott gets a lot of loyalty from his players and i think the players did believe they'd get eight-year deals i think snell thought he'd get six seven years eight years maybe i think that bellinger believed that 828 coming off that season he'd get eight years 
And, and, you know, Scott told him what he thought the market was. And then those players get that expectation. You know, the issue is how do they resolve it now? Like, what's the relationship now? You know, did we miss out on a five-year deal because we wanted the eight-year deal and had to settle for a three-year deal? What would the Blue Jays have done if not eight years? What would the Giants have done if not, uh, you know, eight years? Where would they have gone because we scared them away from that. And so there's got to be some part of it. Look, he does a great job for his clients. And you're right. In the end, he kind of figures it out. Uh, and usually they come out smelling like a rose. You know, the problem he has with starting pitching this year, he has Montgomery and Snell. He needs two teams to blink. I don't, I, you know, and, and here's the other part of it that I don't know that everybody understands that. All right. So Kodai Senga got dinged up, right? Kyle Bradish is dinged up in uh, John Means. And so they're not going to be missed the whole year. They're going to miss some period of time. And everybody's like, well, maybe they'll get in on these guys right now. I mean, it, it's the, the logic is if I'm, if the only reason I'm willing to pay $150 million is because my ace pitcher got hurt, but I can afford to pay the $150 million, why wouldn't I have paid the $150 million and had a pitch next to my ace pitcher who was healthy at the time? So, you know, when, when somebody's dinged up, you don't spend $150 million, You sign Mike Clevenger for $9 million. That's right. You, know, you, That's get, right. That, you, you get Michael Lorenzen. Right? You get Michael Lorenzen for right. $9 million to, to, yep. to patchwork it. Right. And so, yep. so I, yeah, I don't know. I You know, and the regional sports network thing caused some complications this year for Texas, certainly with Montgomery. I think they wanted him. Uh, and he didn't really want to go to New York with the Yankees, it seemed like, Montgomery. His wife is uh, is working as an intern in in uh, uh, Boston, is you know, becoming a doctor, uh, and so you wonder whether she, you know, that's an option, but that's only short term, right? So I, I don't know. It's really complicated this year, and it's not the same storyline as the past. You mentioned Senga. Let me go back there for a second because you understand better than anybody what it's like to be in New York and in that gauntlet. And to have everybody feeling like this you're supposed to do, right? That's it. You, they know more than you do, the fans, the media, right. about what you're supposed to do being in a New York market. Now, clearly, you would have been probably sleeping a lot better at night if you had Steve Cohen as the owner you were working for because you would add a lot more money to spend. But the Mets have done that. It hasn't worked. They brought in David Stearns. My contention is, as much as I know Met fans don't like it, they're kind of doing the right thing. Yeah, it sucks. No, they're not going to be very good. But they know they're probably going to be a seller at the deadline. They're trying to get stopgap guys like Severino and Manaya and maybe ship them off at the deadline, right, for more pieces to go ahead and build. Why in the world would they go and spend on a guy like Montgomery or Snell? It doesn't make any sense. What's your what David Stearns is trying to do in a market you're not supposed to be able to do it? Yeah. So, so here's the one thing that I, I agree with you, but I would also keep an open mind about this is that uh, okay. if it's not about 2024, and it's more about 2025, yep. which is what they told us even last year when Billy Epler was still there, um, that they're going to start to do it the right way. We're going to retool a little bit, so we may not go. The one thing I would say is that next year, there may not be a Jordan Montgomery available in the market. And sometimes you have to get that guy a year too early because he might not be there when you're ready for him. And so, you know, they were in on Yamamoto, which everybody was, because he's 25 and, you know, he's not just about this year. He'd be for next year and the year after and the year after. Uh, if you like Montgomery, you think he's going to be good for several years, 
then it may make sense to get him now because he won't be available next year when he's because he's going to sign with somebody. And right now it's such a discount because it seems like there's not a place for him. It might be worth considering getting in on it, even if it's not the place to win right now, because, you know, the players have choices too down the line. And if you've got a captive audience right now that might be willing to play for your team and you think he's going to be good in 25 and 26 and 27, I think you have to keep an open mind about that. That being said, um, David Stearns is a very brilliant executive. I, what they do in Milwaukee and have done there, where they build it up and they literally take it apart piece by piece again every year and then build it up again. It, like That's really hard to do without leaving pieces on the floor of the garage. And they always seem to piece it back together the right way. He's 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 the smartest guy in every conversation that he's in. Even when he's talking to, her, to Farhan Zaidi, uh, David Sturz is still the smartest guy in that conversation. Uh, and so Craig Breslow, that Sturz is still smarter than everybody. And so um, I believe that he'll figure this out. Uh, but I would have kept more of an open mind, not about Snell. Snell, I think two or three years down the road, if Snell's good this year, I really worry about the next couple of years just because he has such extreme peaks and valleys. I don't I don't trust it. I'd rather have predictability out of a guy like Montgomery. You mentioned uh, Breslow, and you talked about earlier, talking about Montgomery. You mentioned the Red Sox. And I know you're going to see them here in the next couple of days on the spring training tour out in Fort Myers. The Netflix thing that came out, it was just such an odd timing. It's like of all the different – seasons that you could ever sit there and be with the Red, Red Sox. I covered them in 2004. We were all there when you think about 2013, 2018. This is not the time their fans want to relive it through a documentary with what they're going through. But how surprised are you and how much do you feel like the fan base has a point when you see the vitriol they have right now with this club and what they call their lack of desire to win right now in Boston? Yeah, no, I think I understand it. Let's put it that way. I do. I. It's hard to tell whether they're building it up or taking it apart. Like, I just, I can't figure it out. I, I don't know. Like, are, are you adding to the team or are you taking apart from the team? You trade away a, a reliever and Schreiber, who's, look, he's a serviceable guy. He's not like a world beater. But the notion that Kenley Jansen was available on the market, um, you know, they traded away Chris Sale. Now, I get the Chris Sale thing, and I like Von Grissom, and I'd like to give him a chance to do it. I didn't know if I believed as much as Sale. But, man, they love Sale in Atlanta right now. Uh, and... You know, they don't really have any starting pitching, predictable starting pitching. Uh, and, you know, like they didn't they don't seem to be in on on the frontline guys. They didn't seem to be in on the Corbin Burns trade. They didn't seem to be in on. And so it's hard to know where they're going. And and you know, it's hard to know if Craig Breslow knew this was the plan when he came in, because somewhere along the way, it sounded like things were put out there and then the rug got pulled out from underneath. And so I don't know, you know, it's hard. It's there's so much we don't know behind the scenes there. Uh, and as a general manager, you don't tell people what's going on. You, you don't, you don't, you protect your owners, you protect yourself. You just, you know, sell the team that you have. They're going to score some runs this year. I think they're going to score runs. They did last year too. I think Cassis is the real deal. Devers is always good, but um, they need Trevor Story to get going. Von Grissom's got to be good. I like the Tyro, Tyler O'Neill acquisition. I just don't believe in their pitching. Uh, I like Bayo a little bit, but, um, you know, I just don't know, like, is is Garrett Whitlock a starter or a reliever? Tanner Houck a starter or a reliever? They, you know, and, and, and here's the thing. Alex Cora, he may have done his best job managing ever last year, that they were even as close to 500 as they were. I mean, it was amazing. Uh, and remember, he's a free agent after this season. 
uh, and isn't looking necessarily to sign up until he's got a read on what's going on there too. So he may be the biggest free agent next off season. You talk about uh, Alex Cora and you think about the Red Sox and where they are and Red Sox fans are, are thinking, Hey, we should be where the Dodger fans are at now kind of money to spend. We've got that kind of market. Nobody's living the life of a Dodger fan right now. However, when was the last time we saw this much pressure to win a world series or bust? We know this isn't that sport. You and I both know this is not the NBA where LeBron James can go take a bunch of guys who aren't that good. And no offense to outside of Pippen and Jordan, the BJ Armstrongs of the world. And, and so many times we've seen it in other sports. It's not that, that way in Major League Baseball. So Mike Trout wouldn't just have 11 at-bats in a postseason, right? Do right. you remember in your recent memory seeing this much pressure on a team to be World Series or bust with Yamamoto, Otani, Hey Oscar, all they already had and that they brought in here with Glasnow and so on. I mean, there's too many guys would be here all day. Yeah. What about the pressure right now on this team? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, they won 100 games last year and they had the best offseason. They spent a billion dollars in the, or a billion two in the offseason to add to this team. Uh, and yet they're not a perfect team. They've got flaws. They've got, if some things go wrong, it can go in a different direction. Now, they're relying on a lot of really young arms that are big, great arms. I mean, they're really good-looking kids. But they're young, you know, and, and young guys can be inconsistent. Um, you know, is Bueller going to come back and be healthy this year? Is Trevor May going to come back and be healthy this year? They've got a lot of ifs. Now, the thing is, they've got a lot of ifs. And so, you know, some are going to come through. My experience is some come through, some don't. Some are going to be really good. Some are going to be bad. Some are going to be mediocre. And because they have so many ifs, it still is going to probably be good enough. They're going to score a ton of runs. Um, but we all know this, that in the playoffs, it's not the best team that wins. It's the team that plays the best. And that's not always the same team. Uh, and, you know, we had the Arizona Diamondbacks get to the World Series last year. Uh, you know, we've got, uh, you know, I think the the storylines, you know, even when you look at Texas and, and the pitching issues they had all season long. And so, um, you know, there's a ton of pressure there. I wonder, you know, allowed about, I mean, I love Dave Roberts and he could manage my team any day, but if they don't win a World Series this year, uh, does he, you know, they won in 2020 in the strike, in the, in the um, COVID shortened season, uh, but they haven't won anything. And so you wonder if this is like do or die for him to be able to get them over the top this year. Yeah, there's a tremendous pressure clearly on Doc to go get wins in LA. I want to close here on the other side. I mentioned Trout. I respect the heck out of the, I, I have a contract here. This is what I've promised this team and I want to believe in them and I'm going to give them everything I've got. I, I love that much more than the Anthony Rendon. I don't even know if I belong here and I don't want to play very much. Right. But at the same time, if I knew Mike Trout personally, I think I'd be trying to kind of knock him on the head over a beer saying, dude, you could, you could force a trade at some point here and definitely get back to whether it's Philadelphia or New York or somewhere close to home back to the East Coast, the way better chance to win. Are you surprised, A, that Mike Trout is not at least thinking about this seemingly, and B, do you expect that to change considering the Angels are going to have a hard time winning games? Yeah, so here, here's the reality is the best chance Mike Trout has of getting traded is if he wins the MVP this year. So you think, well, geez, wouldn't the Angels want to keep him in? No, it's his best chance to get traded because right now they would probably have to eat $100 million of his contract in order to trade him. 
uh, because of the injuries and the fact that I, there's, I have no faith that he can stay healthy for a full season. He needs a 150 game, 148 game season where he goes off and it might be his best chance of getting traded because from the team perspective, even if they, in a all of by listen, if Artie Moreno and the privacy of his own room thought to himself, yeah, I'd consider trading him. I'd get off under the money. It might make the team more sellable if we don't have this money tied up and I can do this and that. Uh, I might, but I, but I'm going to have to eat a hundred million dollars. I might as well let him try to go out there and play this year, put up some numbers, stay healthy, because if I'm going to have to eat a ton of money, why do it now? Why not see if he can play? And, and somebody's more convinced that he'll stay healthy moving forward. Cause I think right now it's probably an unmovable contract. Steve, always appreciate you when you do this. Thank you so much for hopping on board. Have fun. The spring training tour, always a good time getting to see the teams and we'll do it again soon, man. Appreciate you. Hey Casey, anytime buddy, you're the best. Always good to catch up. Thank you, sir. There he is, Steve Phillips. You can catch us at 251 just around the corner. Stay tuned. Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. As always, Unfiltered, brought to you by our good friends at Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.